0: That we need to get. To. Listen, Tarek. Thank you so so much for that. and you're dead right because it needs to start from the very very top and the bottom as well. and meet in the middle. Tarek Panja from New York Times. Thank you so much for giving your time to us this evening. Really good to be with you. Thanks, Alan. Okay, that was Tarek Panja. We overran a little bit, so we're going to go straight after the break with Apollo 440 and and stop the rock.
1: Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
2: Stop the run. Stop the run.
3: Stop the run. Can't stop the run. Can't stop the run. into the groove dear Capital FM, I am your real fan. Listening to Capital FM is my habit.
4: In fact, my day starts with your station.
3: My lovely favorite radio. You know, guys, you're the best. This is Capital FM, Moscow 105.3. We speak English, we play a hit. Capital, Capital
1: FM. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
0: Welcome back ladies and gentlemen from uh, or into part 4 of tonight's show I hope you enjoyed that last people with Tarek Panja I wish we could have had him on for longer um, but you know next time we will again as he said that uh, you know, there's just so much wrong with the world of sports. But then think there's so much right, otherwise we wouldn't be here. And of course, uh, I have to have a little bit of a shout out to the Moscow Shamrocks uh, men's team who combined with the Madrid Harps B team, they won the European Junior A. So it's quite a good year for Russian Gaelic football. Of course, that was in the European Championships yesterday. Now, um, a quick look around the boards because, um, as we say, we're going to speak now with Alex B in just a minute um, about the... Uh, major league Players, Of course, it's the World Series time. Big shock, the Astros beat out the uh, Yankees, those damn Yankees, so that's a bit of a... Well, it was quite a surprise. Now, we also have, of course, uh, NFL going on right now. We, the Rams, they are leading. Okay, They are away to the Falcons. Falcons having quite a tough season. The Rams are leading 20 points to 3, 23. That's in the third period. The Dolphins, they're away against the Bills. The Dolphins haven't won a game this season. I mean, they're just truly awful. Oh, uh, and 5 they are leading, 14 9 against the Buffalo Bills who of course are 4-1 the Jacksonville Jaguars are leading 9-7 against the Bengals Bengals again they haven't won a game this season A team that are doing okay. The Vikings, we did tip them at the start of the year to be a bit of a shock team. Uh, They are leading 28 21 away to the Lions from Detroit. And the Packers are the first, well, are they the first home team? They're the first home team that's actually leading tonight. They are leading the Raiders 28 17, but the Packers are quite a strong team. We should be looking at the pack attack. Uh, The Colts are also leading against the Texans. They're 21 16 up. The Cardinals have just scored a touchdown and they have now taken the lead 20. 23-14 away in New York against the Giants. The 49ers are 3-0 up against the Redskins. And that looks like a truly awful game. Of course, Alex Otto's team, the Redskins, they are 1-5 and on the season. They are playing against the 5-0 49ers. But they've held them to... I mean, OK, let's look at this, folks. You know, we know that in the American sport, especially American football, they score lots of points. It was 0-0 at halftime. My goodness, it was like a soccer, soccer score, football score. 3-0, so the 49ers got a field goal. In the third period, and now uh, as the fourth quarter is about to start, it is three nil. Now, in just a moment, we're going to go over to speak with uh, Alex B, who is in Toronto waiting for us. Um, and before we do, just one quick update or a couple of quick updates. Actually, of course, we do know that there is soccer tonight. Um, lots of games. Of course, we were speaking about AC Milan. They are playing at home tonight. Um, a lot of funny this because we know that, you know, they, they're a team that they're already looking to be sold or owners want to get rid of them. They are nil-nil at home against Lecce. There's about 18, 19 minutes now uh, gone in that game. And in La Liga in Spain, just kicked off, literally minutes ago, just kicked off in uh, in, in La Liga. We will, we're just going to bring you that in just a moment. But before we do, we're going to go straight away. Uh, excuse me, I just getting it here, so Sevilla are leading nil-nil or sorry, leading nil-nil, they are drawing nil-nil after six minutes with Levante, but we're going to go straight away across the waves to Mr. Alex B. Alex, you can hear us loud and clear? Howdy, howdy, howdy. Okay, Alex, um, World Series, about to start off in Major League Baseball, Um, of course it starts in the well, the early hours of uh, Tuesday morning at 3am, Washington Nationals against the Houston Astros, um, that wasn't expected at all, was it?
5: Um, no, not at all. both teams that aren't really um, known for their prowess in the um, MLB. So, yeah, it should be interesting.
0: Um, oh, oh, overall, I mean, the big surprise, of course, is that the, the the Astros got past the Yankees. I mean, there was a lot of contention in it and so on and so forth. Um, with the first game now at home in Houston, in lovely Minute Maid Park, um, do you think, like, the Astros have a great, they, they had a very, very good season. They are 60 wins, 21 losses at home. Um, they should have a little bit too much, shouldn't they, for for the Nationals, for Washington?
5: Oh, uh, well, I think so, because I had the advantage of uh, playing at home, and I think that after the season, they will be able to uh, pull this one off.
0: Okay, of course they they, they, open, they open the open series to with uh, the first two home games. So, yeah, so we we should know so it could be a case that they win the first two home games and of course they go away for two games to Washington to 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 play there. So, let's see what's going to happen. Um Alex, um, a, a lot going on in North America, in, in the States, of uh, <laughs> as always. Um, we were speaking last week about the whole scandal uh, going on about uh, basketball in China. And we had one of the legends, a guy who is used to having his jersey burned for, for telling people, don't be in China, you don't know what you're talking about. Of course, we are a man yeah. who, who, who led Cleveland, but he's, he's now getting a bit of a bad reputation as a bit of a know-nothing about uh, politics.
5: Uh, yeah, um, LeBron James, he's actually been uh, very, well, uh, he's known to be supporting all these like, NBA players and stuff like that, but this time uh, we've seen LeBron kind of just step down and not comment on the kind of situation at all, which is, uh, which is probably because of his Nike contract, because most of the... Um, factories of Nike are actually in China, so he kind of like it would be monetary um, it would be a bad choice for him to speak out, but yeah, he is getting criticized quite a bit, uh, especially because um, a few years ago a white news reporter said something along the lines of like, just shut up and dribble and everybody, and LeBron James and everybody was just, of course, it was, was like a big like racial scandal, but now essentially LeBron is making the choice to uh, shut up and dribble, which
0: is a very, um, <laughs>
5: Yeah, it's a very interesting sight to see, especially guys like Russell Westbrook and James Harden all chose to speak out.
0: Okay, so you've got these guys. It's dividing now the NBA because you've got some owners who are going, you know, What's yeah. happening in China isn't good. You've got some coaches going, hey, listen, take it easy. You've got players who have vested interests. As you said, uh, in the last segment, we were talk- speaking with Park uh, Tariq Panja, and what he said was like money rules everything, and that's the most important thing. So you've got Le- LeBron, who has a, a Nike contract. If he speaks out, he could lose that money. Nike, who are heavily, heavily invested in China and, of course, produce all their goods there. Um, yeah. Do you think that this is going to have a, a, a financial effect? Because you, you told us last week there's a huge amount of money coming in from China into the NBA. So could this be a, a massive, massive kick in the you-know-whats for for uh, the NBA?
5: Uh, well, the thing about the players is that they're literally just paid to play basketball. It's not under their contract to not say things like this. So... Um, obviously, the management of the NBA, like the, um, head and, like, Adam Silver, like, all those guys that like they're trying to straighten the situation out. At the same time, they don't want to really position themselves against their players. Uh, but at the same time, they're kind of like trying to, I think they're going to smooth the situation out. I don't see, uh, the NBA and China parting ways because there's just too much money to be made here.
0: Okay, because we, we, we have seen, like, um, uh, that the, the, the NBA fans are protesting against China, you know, uh, in, right. in, in, in regards to, to um, uh, Hong Kong. And you have people calling uh, LeBron James a sellout, you know, because he, he's been bought out and so on. But listen, do you think that's fair? Because, I mean, you know, is, is it fair for, for, for people to be criticising these people, say, listen, we just want to play our game, we just want to get paid um, as you said Like you know, players get paid players get get paid to play do you think maybe people should cut a bit of slack because let's just say as my granddad always said you know they're for the grace of God so if you basically you walk in mine in that guy's shoes and then say it so if you right. wore whatever yeah. I don't know I don't know what size LeBron's shoes are probably size 60 <laughs> uh, they're quite big um, yeah. do you think people like that if the shoe again, sorry, talking about Nike again, is on the other foot, that people would actually be, oh, well, hold on, like, I'm getting paid, like, five million to say nice things about China. I'll shut up and... I'll only say nice things. Is, is Like, should people actually kind of realize that instead yeah. of trying to be so good?
5: Uh, well, the first thing about LeBron is that um, he signed to a lifelong contract with Nike for a billion dollars. So that essentially means he can't play for any other brand, and most of his income comes from Nike. So, at the same time, there's a lot of guys in the NBA that didn't comment in the situation at all. There like it was only like a very small percentage of the NBA players that, choose, that chose to speak out. But obviously, LeBron being like the face of the NBA, and uh, potentially the greatest of all time when he's, when he's done, um, it obviously puts a lot of pressure on onto him to speak out. So, um, I think he shouldn't be criticized for it because it's his own personal choice. But at the same time, it's kind of like, I can see why people are getting mad, but I fully support his decision.
0: So listen, I, 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 I'm kind of coming down in the middle, and I, and I do agree with you, that I think, you know, that he he has to do what's best for him and his kids, because, you know, right. for long enough, athletes were treated like crap, uh, not just in America, but especially right. in America, they're like, yeah, we, we, we know how it was in hockey. Guys were still are like, treated quite badly. So if you make the money, you make the money, and, you know, you can basically... Put a pair of headphones on and don't hear the criticism. Uh, Alex, listen, we're going to speak now in, in just a wee while with you and McGregor. or sorry, you McGregor, you and McKenna. Oh. Um, <laughs> there you go. Be uh, an interesting conversation. There you go about Conor McGregor, I should say. Um, Conor McGregor, he's been hitting the headlines uh, in, 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 in the U.S. and Canada this week because of his misdeeds in Ireland. Um, what's the kind of the attitude towards Conor McGregor right now? What, what's the general feeling towards him over in North America?
5: Uh, I'm not going to lie. Nobody's really talking about him that way. The hype has really died down since he left because uh, the thing about him is that he lost like three of his last fights and all these fights took place in like the span of like four years so it's been a very long time since he won a fight yet at the same time he's still he's still like you know this big name so obviously when like he went to into the sport of boxing he obviously did pretty well against Floyd Mayweather but when he came back into the UFC it was just like now he's not fighting now there's like they don't know what's happening like Dana White obviously wants him to fight but at the same time Connor isn't really like um, I don't know what the situation is. It's always something very different with this guy. It's always like another news headline. People aren't really. Uh, it's not really much of a surprise whenever he, whenever like another one of his misdeeds comes up on the internet, because now people are kind of just used to him. They're just the McGregor way.
0: Well, that that is fair enough. That 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 is fine. Listen, any other uh, quick takes from over that side of the pond?
5: Ah, uh, yes. Uh, Boston Bruins, Maple Leafs, four four three. Okay. Of
0: course for the Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs. <laughs> I knew that. I knew <laughs> that. <laughs> okay, listen, in honor of that, we're going to play out uh, just shortly with one of your favorite songs. I know you're a big big uh, Snoop Dogg fan and you're also a huge oh, Katy Perry yeah. fan. So, uh, oh, we'll we'll play out with California Girls for you, but uh, we'll be back on to you next week. Alex B, thank you very very much. Stay warm thank over you. there. Thanks Alex. OK, that was Alex B. And a score update from Milan. AC have taken the lead. Kalhanoglu uh, has scored that goal after 20 minutes. The other game is still scoreless between Sevilla and Levante. Uh, right, so we are going to go into the break in just a moment. Um, there's no well, there are some score updates, but it's still that, that 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 American football game, of course, uh that I was as mentioned between the poor old Washington Redskins. I mean, they really are awful this season. They just I've I've never seen they like they're just hopeless, and I know that it's driving uh Alexander of absolutely nuts. They're now losing six nil. Six nil, yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, if they're Zenny playing Rostov, But they have the ball and they're trying to get their own end zones or their own uh, half of the so I see what's going to happen okay we are going to go out with that song in honour of Alex B it is California Girls by Katy Perry and Snoop Dogg or featuring Snoop Dogg so back after the break we'll have you and McKenna enough of to talk about so stay here on the best channel in the best radio station in Moscow back after this
1: Capital Sports with Alan Moore
6: greetings loved ones let's take a journey
3: is really greener, warm, wet and wild, there must be something in the water.
0: ladies and gentlemen to part five tonight our second half or second half of the hour even almost uh, on Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM Uh, just so you know that it is still 6-0 and the 49 have that ball back um, and they're on their own 33 so I mean this is just a a painful game so pity anyone who's watching it Uh, in Europe it is still after 21 minutes 0-0 between Sevilla and Levante Um, and AC Milan, after 33 minutes, are still leading 1-0. Now, going to go right away to a much warmer place than this and a few errors behind us as well, uh, to a man who has been on with us a couple of times and he's going to be a bit more regular as well. He's someone who... um, he doesn't look for controversy but he actually tells the truth and that in itself as Tariq Panja said earlier on is sometimes controversial and people don't like to hear it uh, he spoke about it in about the Irish rugby team which I wholeheartedly agree with him because I mean the amount of hype especially living outside of Ireland and then when you go back for a visit you kind of go what on earth is going on Ireland number one team in the world best rugby team in the world and then as we saw yes yesterday they just absolutely flopped against New Zealand um, and of course they got beaten by Japan as well um, Not only that, but then when there's things that need to be said, people are ignoring it and there's so much to be done, especially in sports. When it was about doping, he's one of the first people to stand up against Mo Farah. And as we know now, there is an awful to be said. But of course, it's not been buried under the Nike blanket. Um, And also, he's one of the first people to really give a voice to Conor McGregor and to openly praise him and say, this guy is doing well and it's great to see him doing well. But at the same time, when Conor has been misbehaving, he's also been saying, well, hold on, Conor, you need to rein it back in a bit. But of course, when you're surrounded, as we said earlier on, surrounded by yes-men and people who are just boosting your ego and who are afraid to lose that money. Remember, like Tarek said, when you have all these people who are making money off you, it's very, very hard to step back and say to do the right thing for the person. Uh, he has written, it's about to be published, um, by another friend of our show, uh, James Corbett, but he's published an absolutely cracking um, uh, read about uh, Conor McGregor. But well, we're going to speak about that and many other things with him, so we're going to welcome onto the show a man who really is just the best of the best of the best, Ewan McKenna. Ewan, how are you doing? Uh, wonderful, Alan.
2: How are you doing?
0: Very, very good indeed on this, and better for hearing you. First first of all, I want to say to you, or ask you, uh, in GEA, we know that now the G- Getty football, in men's football, is now broken into two tiers. Yes or no? Good or bad? Uh, Horrific.
2: <laughs> yeah, I and mean, Are you saying that on the basis of not what the GEA promised, but what the GEA have done to hurling? Um, because a very similar thing happened in Hurling that they promised as they are to a second tier of football Um, Crow park games TV coverage undercards of major games etc and they did that to Hurling for a couple of years and then they got bored with it
0: Uh, and then they did what they wanted
2: and they basically run off the lower tier competition to GEA and Hurling uh, before the leaving cert is even done Uh, the run off in 4 or 5 weeks no TV coverage, no interest Um, And and that's what they will do in football. And and one thing on that, what I will say is, uh, they came up with this idea of second tier on the basis that they said tier one teams are winning by too much against would-be tier two teams. Last summer, tier one teams beat tier two teams by an average of 8.3 points per game. Dublin beat other tier one teams by 10.8 points per game. Yet that's a problem. They don't want to tackle
0: there you go. Well, then again, we, we know the man who's sitting on top of the, uh, the association, um, a <laughs> double man, and it's not even that he's biased against Dublin, he's just, he, he, he wants to feather his own nest for the future going forward. And um, even today, or yesterday when he was asked about, will there be um, these big games, will these games, these second tier games, will they be played in the semi-finals and finals be played in Crow Park? And he said, we hope they will. So, I mean, that just says, says everything you need to know. Um, very, very quickly, um, Ewan, um, we're looking at. We were discussing last week about Nike, and honest to goodness, uh, all with the doping, the whole lot. And now, of course, with uh, this Bridget, uh, who of course set the women's world record uh, last week by quite a margin. Um, now has was skipping three tests, three doping tests, which should already have ruled her out completely and have her banned. Are we? Are we? Are we true to looking glass? Is this just a kind of a mental time where we just can't believe anything we see? Because we were, we asked that with Tariq Panji earlier on. Is it just this time when, like, anyone who wants to have a bit of a laugh or have a look at sport just goes, I'll take my brain out and put it back in later on?
2: Yeah, you're you're left with nothing else, unfortunately, Alan. Um, We've reached the stage where it is is a joke. It's an absolute joke. We know that. You go back to Salazar, right? And everyone now is kind of, isn't that shocking, blah, blah, blah. Um, And I've been saying to people, well, why is it shocking? Why? Because if you go through Salazar's record, and let me let me take your, your listeners through this. In 1996, we go right back. Uh, Salazar was coaching Mary Decker before the Atlanta Olympics. And he said, even though she was age 37, that she was more likely to ever win an Olympic medal there uh, than ever before. And she got done for testosterone before Atlanta. She gets banned. Salazar was along. In uh,
0: 1999,
2: he speaks at a conference, I believe, in Duke University in North Carolina. Um, and he says the words, it's difficult to be in the top five in the world in any of the distance events without using EPO or human growth hormone. I can definitely understand how a good moral person might be compelled compelled to cheat.
0: Now, hold on, uh, you, you just, just before you... So EPO is the one that increases the uh, red blood cells, so basically increases the oxygen, increases the stamina, correct?
2: Yeah, 100% your body okay. can work more often. You more energy for longer it's, it's the perfect doping mechanism for and, distance runners
0: and, and this this basically uh, and, and distance people who, who have need stamina like soccer players rugby players and so on as well EPO is healthy for, or good for them but EPO is normally given to people who are recovering from very serious illnesses or, or uh, like cancer for example
2: it, it, yes, uh, and it's also extremely dangerous. I won't name them, but I know one Irish athlete, for example, from a number of years back, and I leave that purposely kind of vague, uh, uh, who was taking EPO. Uh, and I know a buddy of theirs who was training, and they shared a room in the training camp in Spain, and this Irish athlete was taking EPO. What it does is thickens your blood to the point that it's like soup. Uh, but the danger at that point is when you sleep, Um, obviously your heart slows down and it's trying to pump this soup around your body so this particular athlete as an example used to have to get up every two hours and skip for 20 minutes before going back to bed to increase their heart rate so that the blood would actually traverse their body and they wouldn't die
0: Jesus, okay, okay, go on, continue on okay, let's not think of dying in this (laughs) sleep right now I'm at an age where it is a bit of a worry so, okay, so 2002 we're on right now In
2: 2002, Galen Rupp, who won the marathon, he was on the podium in the Rio uh, Olympics in 2016. He comes along, he's only 16, but files handed from Nike back to Salazar and vice versa show that his testosterone levels were spiking, and that continued thereafter. So basically, what they say is you had a man giving not only performance dancing drugs to an athlete, but to a child. Uh, 2000, he continues on anyhow in Nike after this. 2012, uh, he's celebrating Mo Farah and Rope, the aforementioned Rope, at the 2012 Olympics. They, they both end up on the 10,000 podium. And a senior coach from the Nike Oregon, uh, Oregon Project, Steve Magnus, he has seen documents about Rope that show he's doping and he starts blowing the whistle behind the scenes to And um, A year later, Salazar, he's unaware that Magnus is a whistleblower. But he still cornered him with a Diamond League meeting and he threatened him. He said to him, buddy, you talking to anyone? And he shouted at him. And then in 2015, the brilliant Mark Daly, the, the journalist for Panorama, he went deeper and he did that show that basically showed what, what Salazar was up to. Because on it, we had Carrie Goucher, the athlete who opened up about how Salazar was giving her thyroid medication she didn't want or need. Um, How Salazar was telling athletes to keep them in the normal range, which basically was micro-dosing. How he used his son as a guinea pig for testosterone to see how much would trigger a positive test. And even a former masseuse on that panorama show said that uh, Salazar was at a training camp, I believe, in Utah. And he had androgel, which is basically testosterone, and he asked him to take it with him. Uh, and this masseuse said, wait a minute, this is kind of really weird to have at a camp with athletes, it's testosterone. And Salazar said, don't worry about it, it's actually for my own heart condition, which is bullshit. Medics have shown you would never ever use that for his heart condition. So so we've had years of knowing what Alberto Salazar was up to. Uh, it just finally basically took the feds to, to, to bury him. It's a bit like Lance Armstrong. We we knew for years. Yet all this time... um people were kind of ah up, okay nothing's been proven and now there's this shot it's been a nonsense and it remains a nonsense
0: okay move, move it, <clears throat> moving on from that because I mean I agree with you I mean it just it, it does my head in and then like, when you see Osada jumping on going look we got we got our man it was like mm, well you could have had him quite a long yeah. time ago you had the evidence you had like you've been covering up for what's going on and then Nike of course handing glove with them it's just it's a joke um, well, well one thing Alan one
2: thing on Osada by the way I mean it's funny you said there and I'm trying to take the credit because this actually proves you said that doesn't work. Because now you're there saying Salazar's been filthy for years, uh, yet in all, all that time, and even to today, not one of his athletes has ever tested positive.
0: But wasn't it Mo Farah turned around and said, I'll never fail a test. And also uh, Salazar said as well, none of my athletes will ever fail a test. So, I mean, they know, they know what's going on. Um, We're we're going to go out to the break now in just a few minutes, but I'm going to ask you to stay on the line with us, OK? Because I want to discuss a little bit more after the break, if that's OK with you. yeah. But before we do, uh, there's something that has been get, got on my goat in regards to rugby. Now, we're looking at the Rugby World Cup, and we see the size of the guys. We see everything, and it's just, it's just a freak show, a goddamn freak show. Um, you speaking out against, not against, no, excuse me, excuse me, not speaking, just asking for a bit of reason, asking media not to be cheerleaders. I mean, here in the World Cup last year, the Russian media about the Russian World Cup team were kind of downplaying it and saying like ah, we'll do our best do our best and we're fearing inside when they did well and they, they, they went out in the quarterfinals, finals was like listen well done lads great that was more to be expected um, there's a bit more of a realism about it now of course in sports like biathlon, they go over the top and so on but in this case they were you know kind of realistic shall we say but in Ireland they were hyping so much especially some of our main broadcasters and so tied in hand and foot closing their eyes to doping at home and so on and when you just mentioned some look, guys, we need a bit of perspective. They turned around and said, "Right, good luck," and and they haven't had you on for a year. Uh, they
2: are the Irish rugby team. Are the team Alan of the same sort of people who run Ireland, who are happy to talk about a boom while more and more people are lying on streets around Dublin, homeless. Uh, they're the team of the wealthy. Uh, the statistics show that basically the majority comes from the Irish private school system, and that goes right down to academies, provinces, and the Irish national team, um, even though very few people in Ireland can afford to go to a private school, but, but it's also their fans, and that goes into the media, it's the old boys club of people in key jobs, and I've seen it. I've worked in newspapers in Ireland all my life. I've seen the marketing departments go, don't talk ill of rugby because these are the ABC ones um, for your listeners that's basically hire people who are judged to be better for advertising because if they like what they're hearing, the advertisers will pay more. Uh, So this is the reason they're kept on side and none of them want to know the truth. And to be honest with you, it's actually hilarious because they're a big fish in a small pond back in Ireland. It's the South dublin kind of mafia almost um, and they get their way always they can buy their way out of everything they can legally challenge everything uh, and they love doing that but when that happens but they get to the world stage Alan, and it doesn't happen no one else has respect for them and they fail time and time again and quite frankly it's hilarious
0: and again we, we like it always comes back to me to, to the wb8's poem these people are the, you know, from September 1913, the poem, uh, fumble in a greasy till. And this is what, like, this is the people who want to aspire to this level. They'll save the money, put their kids into these private schools, and want to kind of like climb the ladder. Um, to me, it's annoying because rugby in, in general should be a sport for all. Like, you know, tall fellas, small fellas, fat fellas, thin fellas, you know, you can all find a place. I stopped playing rugby um, when I saw that the scrum half opposite me was, you know, one meter eighty and ninety kilos of muscle. And I'm thinking that's wrong. Usually they're small, skinny whippets like me. Well, not I'm not a whippet anymore. Listen, you we're gonna wait to the break right now. You'll be at the same line with for just a couple of minutes? Of course, I will. That's great. Listen, thank you very, very much. Okay, so we're going to go to the break right now. Ewan is going to come back with us because we have a lot more to speak about. Um, and then, of course, we'll go on to Danny Armstrong as well. So we're going to go to a bit of a, a fun song. Uh, one I think you'll like. These are the opposite of Oasis. This is Blur and this is Park Life. Back after this. Capital Sports
1: with Alan Moore.
6: Is a preference for the habitual voyeur of what is known as. Right. A morning soup can be avoided if you take a route straight through what is known as. Right. John got Brewers' crew, he gets intimidated by the dirty pigeons. They love a bit of him. All right. Who's that gut lord marching? You should cut down on your pork life, mate. Get some exercise.
0: Welcome back to Cable Sports. This is our last segment. Of course, we're going to go to Danny Armstrong just for that. Of course, the uh, look ahead to the Champions and Europa League. And of course, that update from the Kremlin Cup, which has won today the men's singles by our very own André Ru- Rublev. OK, you and McKenna sit on the line with us. Um, you, now, we're, we're speaking with the Irish rugby team. And, you know, again, you speak out against rugby, you're going to get a slap on the wrist. Um, so, even, like, I mean, you've been suffering a lot of crap from these people online, these keyboard warriors... Hello, Ewan. Yeah, I'm here. Can you yeah, hear me? Yeah, here you Listen, Ewan, I was saying that um, you know when you speak against these people, these the the, uh, the rugby in general, you get an awful lot of crap, and you can get a lot of crap online as well from these keyboard warriors. Uh,
2: people don't like the truth. I mean, I don't think it's just rugby. Although speaking to other sports journalists, the Irish rugby mob is one of the most wild within sport. Um. They're, they're an odd sort because they cannot handle someone else cheering against their team. They presume everyone is going to line up based on uh, their passport colour rather than who they are or what they did. And, and they think abusing people who step out of line is going to get them back in line. I've um, no problem with anyone following the Irish rugby team, good on them. Um, the problem is they have a problem with anyone who doesn't follow them. Um, and they also have a problem with people telling them the truth about the Irish rugby team. Um, they are pandered to. There's so much smoke blown on and off the pitch, and um, there are many, many instances of disgusting behaviour by or should be players over the years that has been passed over because of who they are. Um, and if they would played GA or soccer, they would have been on the front pages for this. Um, and that level of entitlement when you tell people who have achieved very little that they can do what they want. Um, and that they're brilliant despite their results when it really matters. For example, in World Cups, uh, you're not going to get improvement from that. I mean, um, what, what and one of those
0: things. One those things. Uh, because last last uh, question. On it. Uh, I know we we'd be careful. Uh, well, well, we don't have to be careful. But we, it, it helps. Um, one of those is where a, a senior Irish player urinated on the leg of of somebody in a pub.
2: Sean O'Brien. I have no problem saying it. Uh, Sean O'Brien, when Leinster won the Pro 14 a couple of months back, and um, it was his last game with Leinster, and he almost got a pass for this from fans that he was—I was just blown it out. He won, and it was his last game with the province before moving to England. And uh, the photos are there of him uh, topless in a pub on Camden Street before a guy sitting on the stool with his friends realized there was a warm feeling on him. And uh, Sean O'Brien was urinating on him. Okay, Leinster rugby. And the IRFU turned around and they said, we carried out an internal investigation of a player we won't name, we won't mention the act he performed, uh, and we won't mention the punishment, but it's sorted, was basically their retort to that. And I know the person they urinated on because they got in touch with me, uh, very upset, and they told me that uh, Sean O'Brien called, they gave a two-second apology down the phone, and the IRFU sent an email again, not naming him or what he did, but saying look, let's 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 sleep let's a dog's life. Wait, I mean, um, and this is how they get away with it. Can you imagine
0: a soccer player did that? Can you I imagine a right. GA player did that? No, no, no. And I couldn't, I, I mean, the, the person I just want to ask you about now, Conor McGregor, I mean, he's getting slathered. Now, rightfully so in many cases, but he he's not getting away with this kind of stuff. No one's covering up for him. And uh, just, you know, ask me. So, you interviewed Connor a long, long time ago. Um, your article about him was just terrific. Now, you followed up with articles about him afterwards, raising concerns. I have to say, Ewan, I mean, you were uh, uh, there was a, a duty of care that you took upon yourself to sort of go, Connor, maybe should lay back a wee bit, maybe should. And you've been criticised for it. Say, ah, you're talking down your own when you were the person who actually bigged them up from from the start. Um, where, where has it gone wrong for Conor? Like, is it the people around him, or is it just himself? He's he's lost a run of himself. A, a combination.
2: I mean, we've seen it in fight sports a hundred times before. We see the guy who comes from very little, from a, a tough working class neighbourhood, who suddenly is giving given absolutely everything, is uh, given a pass by everyone, um, and their head. It gets big enough that they think they can treat people be bad women, be like people in homes or whatever else they want. that is not the Conor McGregor as for what he's done and for what he's alleged to have done more recently, uh, because it's it's despicable. But I find it interesting that with McGregor, <laughs> let me let me put it this way, I suppose when when I started out I liked him, but I said, there there is trouble within this fella. Uh, And as he started kind of going too far, and as he started the racial barbs, and as everyone else went, "Ah, he's funny, he's hilarious, he's this, he's that. I said, reel it back in a bit, because it won't end well. And everyone said, you're negative, you're a begrudger, you're this, you're that, you're looking for attention, etc. Now we're at the flip side of that, where I'm saying, well, we created this monster. And all those people are saying, oh, you're defending him, you're protecting him. They've basically completely flip-flopped while I've stood in the middle all along. Uh, Part of me feels sorry for him. Part of me feels utterly repulsed by him. Um, But I've always said about McGregor that he is the perfect man or the imperfect man for this time and place in society. And that he represents everything we wanted. Um, I, I, I said that McGregor would be anything we wanted him to be so long as we paid for it. Well, and the, this I, is what we wanted
0: them to be look what we created this is it and I mean a lot of the people who were like travelling to watch in boxing or to, to fight and so on they, they weren't people from like Crumlin or from his area they were the guys who would be you know running over to, to Japan right now to watch George's rugby team so they're like kind of Jolly Rogers going yeah yeah he, he's, he's our man and then try to carry out this kind of MMA nonsense on the streets as well um, you, have, you have the book coming out When when is the book uh, due out uh, Ewan? Uh, It'll be out, I think it's the 6th of November. I'm
2: not 100% sure, but it's it's late the first week of November, put it that way. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I spent spent the year working with it. It, It's based in two parts. It's based around three weeks um, of the fight against Norma Gomedov in Las Vegas. And then it's based around a month in Dublin in April, and it kind of goes back and forth. And, and the month in Vegas is looking at the phenomenon and looking at the celebrity and looking at society. And the month in Dublin is looking at where he came from and what he became. And it's kind of a, a back and forth like that. It, it started out as a biography, but I thought to limit it that would be kind of missing out on a trick, a bit like talking about Tiger Woods in his golf swing or Jackie Manziel in his arm. Uh, because there was a bigger picture and a bigger context w- with McGregor around the time and place that, that we live in.
0: Okay, listen. Um, you you before we actually go, final question. Um, of course, the book's going to be well worth a read. Do you think he's re- redeemable? Because he's up now on a second charge for sexual assault. Do you think he he is redeemable, or he's just gone too far? And maybe prison will straighten him out. Straighten him out. Uh, I
2: hope he's redeemable, uh, but I of a heart and head thing i mean i like to try and see the best in everyone but no one has ever stood up to him in his entourage um, in fact more and more people are lying down and making excuses for him uh it it's very hard to see you kind of hope he's a mike tyson case and that he comes back in 15 years and kind of looks back on it all and apologizes and and is quite intelligent about it and um, it's hard to see that given the kind of the, the, the cartels i suppose almost the dublin cartels he hangs around with the Murray brothers these kind of guys and given where he's at I mean his behavior is becoming more and more extreme and where once I suppose MMA was his salvation and kept his mind on the straight and narrow he became too good at that Uh, he got bored he achieved everything he wanted to and now he's kind of stuck without something to
0: do okay Ewan, thank you so, so much. I'm looking forward to reading that book as well. It's coming out right about my birthday time, so I'm, I'm, I'm already ordered it for a present. Thank you so much, Ewan. We'll speak to you again very, very soon. Have a great evening. rest of the day there in Brazil. Absolute pleasure. Take care, okay, Thank you, and Okay, that was you, and McKenna, of course. We're going to go to uh, Danny Armstrong now in just a moment. Um, quick look ahead to uh, the Rugby World Cup semi-finals, which, of course, are taking place next weekend. First up it sounds I strange, strange 11 o'clock uh, on Saturday morning England playing New Zealand and I'm actually rooting for England I, I mean I do like England I, I hope that they would win the 2003 World Cup against Australia I really hope they give New Zealand a bit of a hammering then at 12 o'clock on Sunday Moscow time Wales against South Africa it'd be great to have an England-Wales final because Wales were terrible today in uh, struggling into this game but you know it, it, it's, it's good for rugby now very very quickly looking ahead to the um, Europa League we have Siska there home on Thursday kick off at 5-8 against Ferencvaros of uh, Hungary I spoke with the people from Ferencvaros this week um they're, they're coming here more in hope than anything else, and they, they they do hope they can grind out a draw. That's what they said. They hope to grind out a draw, but of course, uh, I do believe that's you know Siska, We hope that it'll get get onto a, a winning track with that. Locos I said they are playing at ten o'clock on Tuesday evening um, against Juve away in Turin. Okay, and of course Zenith playing on Wednesday. 5-8 to eight against Red Bull Leipzig, out in or down in, in Germany in Leipzig. And finally, the last Russian team, of course, in action, of course, are Krasnodar. And they're away in Turkey in Trabzon against Trabzon Sport. And that's uh, Thursday night at 10 o'clock. So lots of uh, games this week. Right. A man who is covering the Kremlin uh, Cup finals for RT Sport is a very good friend of the show. One of our fr- it was actually our first ever... Uh, guest on Capital Sports, and I'm delighted to have him back on because he's a, he's a voice of reason and a real voice of sports. Danny Armstrong, how are you doing?
4: I'm very good, thank you, Alan. All the all, all the better for hearing you.
0: Ah, uh, listen, it's great. Listen, uh, it, always when I hear your voice, I, I, I smile thinking this is this is this is someone who you know I want to have a chat with about everything. Listen, <laughs> Danny, um, <clears throat> was that a point one or two points lost today for United?
4: Um. Do you know what? If you'd have told me before the uh, the match that we were going to get a draw, then I would have snapped your hand off. But it does feel like a little bit of an opportunity missed. Um, obviously, we had Bar playing a, a huge, huge part in the game. Um, do you know what? It's, we picked up a point. I think I think that was the, the best that we could we could hope for. It's a great, fantastic Liverpool side. Although it uh, might not have been a full shunt today. Um, yeah I I I did actually really really fear this game coming up it's, it's not something I normally do I mean I I'm am a child of the uh the 90s and, and 2000 so I grew up when Manchester United were very, very good, so it's a bit of an alien feeling. But um, I, I would say it's a, p- a point gain to answer your question.
0: Yeah, listen, I mean, because we were speaking with Jonathan Higgins, who was there and he was governor for for off the ball and news talk back in Ireland, um, mm. and he was, you know, as a Liverpool fan, he was saying, "Oh, like Liverpool should have won it. They had you know more possession, so on." But the first half. I, I, I was really impressed with United. I was impressed with Mar- uh, Rashford. I thought that they played very, very well. I thought Fred could have been better, but he actually had a, a, a relatively decent game. I was genuinely hoping that um, United could put it up to Liverpool. And, you know, overall, I do think, as you said, it's a, it's, a, it's a point gained. I think for Liverpool, it's a lot harder because now they're going to have to try and come back from mm-hmm. this. Um, Danny, OK, Kremlin Cup, it's two in a row for Russia. Um, it looked quite easy by the scoreline today for Rubliov. Was it that easy?
4: Yeah, it was. He, he had a fantastic uh, tournament all round, actually. I mean, he beat Marin Cilic, of course, the US Open champion, just uh, yesterday to get into the final. Uh, just going on, you, you just mentioned there, Kachanov won it last year. I was a little bit disappointed with his showing at the, uh, the Kremlin Cup. He crashed out and he was well, too chilly each other in the second game. So I think it was a little bit um, for Rubliov he kind of went under the radar a little bit, obviously, with, with uh, Medvedev coming back from Shanghai. He eventually pulled out of the tournament, slight fatigue. Um, he's pulled out of Vienna as well, which would have been his next tournament. Uh, then all the eyes fell on Khachanov. Khachanov didn't come through, and I think for, for Rubiov, he kind of really benefited from the, the, the no pressure in front of his hometown. He's a Moscow boy, and uh, he, he played some really good tennis. As they say, he beat, he beat Chilich, he beat uh, Bublik, the, the Kazakhstani, in his first game. And uh, Manarino in, in in the final, of course, who's last year's uh, finalist. It he, he was a really really good win for him. Fantastic. Um, it was his birthday today as well. He, <laughs> he turned twenty-two, so uh, um, he you know he said it's he, he, a fantastic birthday present for him. He played, of of course, you know it's it's in the same it's in October every year. So four years ago when he was eighteen, he played and he, he went out in the first round. So you know four years later, he said. Uh, it's really great for him to get that win under his belt obviously he's going to go right up into the top 30 now he's ranked 31st at the minute it's a huge, huge year for him coming coming next year
0: I mean if you look at, look, at, look at, like, through the, the men's draw I mean even like you know of course Russia a lot of players get wild cards and so on but Rubellov is on his, his own uh, rights I mean he had a tough one against uh, Chile. You, you know 7-5-6-4 but there were, you know, looking at the quarterfinals, there were two Russians in it. Kachanov, okay. Kachanov fell short against Seppi. Um, but Seppi's, you know, an experienced enough campaigner. And you would have hoped that he would actually go on and, you know, maybe, you know, get the semi final because I would have fancied him against Manarino. Manarino, of course, losing for the second year in a row as well. Um, mm. But. At the women's side, there were, you know, I mean, it, it was a great um, tournament for Russian players in general. And the women's side, of me was very, very good uh, because, of course, Bencic beat Pavlichenkova uh, in the final, but... You know, overall you had in the quarterfinals you had three Russian players. Okay, all in the top half of the draw. Mm
4: -hmm. But Mm -hmm. that's
0: quite good and Kurumetova who's been a long time developing coming through, yeah. Finally sa like she she ran Pavlchenkov for close, but you were at the game yesterday, the match yesterday. How close was that final
4: Um yeah i I'm just sorry i just want to go back to the 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 she, she had fun a fantastic uh tournament again like there's, there's that cluster of um female russian tennis uh stars at the moment you, you have her and Kasak and uh pavlochenko or uh alexandrova uh, katerina alexandrova had a, had a really really good uh tournament. she played some great tennis um she um she beat the ukrainian Um uh, she's a really down to earth girl one of the things she said was struck me and it just kind of gives you an insight into the mind of these young but very mature sports stars is the fact I said to her I said "Well, you, you're still quite young and she to me and she said I'm 22 I'm not young <laughs> I, said, I said well there's a lot of people that probably think you are I say, uh, but she uh, then compared herself to Coco Golf, obviously the 15 year old the 15 so. year old uh, American and I, I don't think anybody's uh, young compared to her so um, yeah, it, it's, it's been a really, really close, uh, hard-run uh, tournament uh, for Kasakina as well. I mean, she everybody expected her to defend the title. Uh, well, but then she lost to Yastremska. Yastremska went out um, in the next round. So it's, it's it's been a real kind of kind of whirlwind, a uh, bit like the FA Cup uh, <laughs> and, um, But yeah, it's been thoroughly thoroughly enjoyable. So, some really, uh, so, some really. Decent performances uh, from the tennis side. but especially yeah, you, you, you're right in saying yeah, the, the female side of the draw as well. That's good. So sorry, just coming back to the, the, the final. Uh, uh, finally, remembered what you, you actually asked me there, Alan. <laughs> on, uh, yeah, a, bit, a bit of a wonder. Uh, Pavlyuchenko, yeah, she, she had a good. First set, one six, three, and then lost the, the other two, six, one, six, one. She just had no answer. She really tired out really uh, quickly after the first set. Benzic came on really strong.
0: OK. But, no, I mean, that, that, that's nasty. I remember many years ago down in Stuttgart watching her play, and... From her diet to her preparation, was just all off. But she seems to have improved mm. a little bit as years year has gone on. Um, Danny, very, very quickly, just, uh, we're running out of time here, but just a couple of questions. Loco away to Juventus this week. Uh, it's a tough ask for them to get any, anything out of that game. What's the best Loco can hope for?
4: Do you know what? Um, I think they're in with a little bit of a chance of maybe for scoring, uh, and I, I don't mean to say that to be funny. I think I think they're in doing um, great form. They've won the last five. They're sitting on top of the Russian league, albeit by goal difference. And um, we saw what Scar did last season with Real Madrid. So it's um, it, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of one of those. They're taking two thousand away to that game, which is a lot because they don't hardly ever fill the ground um, in Moscow. Um I, I think. That the, if if they get a goal, that that could
0: probably be the best that they could ask for.
4: If they get a goal, maybe if they, they lose 2-1. Or, or actually, if I fancy them to get a, a 1-1 draw, maybe.
0: OK, that that, that is decent. Siská um, of course, home against Ferenc Farros. The Hungarians were telling me uh, at the start of this week that they're going there, hopefully battling for a draw. But you'd you fancy Siská to be mm-hmm. that little bit too strong, wouldn't you?
4: Yeah, you would. I mean, they're a fairly inexperienced side there. Sorry, fairly, fairly experienced in, in European competition. This I think, uh, Frank Barrison. is a pretty, pretty routine win for them. Uh,
0: oh. yeah, that's, that's yeah. what I was thinking. Danny, uh, looking ahead, the uh, Russian Premier League course next week, <clears throat> back in action. And there is the biggest game of the week uh, or two huge games, two Moscow Derbys on Sunday at 4.30, both mm. kicking off at the same time. Uh, Siska at home against Dinamo and Lokomotiv against Spartak. That's Tedesco's first, you know, derby game. He opened up with a draw yesterday. Um, you'd sort of look at Siska to, to, you know, to, to, to grind Eddie Williams, Enomo, but would you be looking at locomotive to uh, inflict the first loss on the Tedesco's reign?
4: I think they'd be very, very much up for it. I think uh, that's um, the team talk over and done with. Obviously, Yuri Semen, he's, he's an absolute... Uh, you know master of mind games he knows his he knows his league inside out he 's been around it for decades so um I, I, I think if I was going to put my last pound coin in it, I think I'd put it on Lokomotiv uh, by a little bit of a margin as well. Maybe two, three goals. Tedesco, very. I, I believe he's highly rated by by Schalke and back in Germany, but I would have to say, you know, the the, the Russian league is completely different. <laughs> and the Spartak are a different kettle of fish to any football team at the minute. So I'd have to go for uh, Lokomotiv. It's a real baptism of fire. And uh, I, th- I think local will, will probably be a bit. It depends how much you know the, how, how much it takes out of them going to Juventus, but uh, I, I, I would expect them to uh, yeah to win okay. that
0: quite comfortably. That's great. Listen, Danny, thank you so so much because you, you 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 just arrived home. I know from from the uh, I panel. Have yes. So She's listen, thank you taxi. so <laughs> so much. Great. Listen, now, we're going to catch you very <laughs> soon here in the studio. Thank you so much, Danny. Very have much. a great evening Look and a great week. It. Thanks, Danny. Cheers. You too. Okay, so Double N has been operating the phones very, very well today. Thank you so, so much. Uh, we are flying off into the night right now. We're going to go out really on an upbeat note because we started off the show with uh, Andy Mack. He's at home um, with a very, very dicky tummy, shall we say. And, um, you know, he we, we, we had a great show, so we had lots of fun today and uh, a lot of information as well. So we're going to go out right now. Back next week, of course, being 9 and 11 with some more great guests. We have Mark Ronson featuring Bruno Mars. This is Uptown Funk. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a great, great sports week here with Capital FM.
1: Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
3: This shit, that ice cold. Michelle fight for that white gold. This one for them hood girls, them good girls, straight masterpieces. Stylin', violin'. Living it up in the city, got Chuck's on with Saint Laurent. Gotta kiss myself, I'm so pretty. I'm too.